to Teaching Python. This is episode eight, Persistence in Python. My name is Sean Tiber. I'm a coder who recently began teaching. And I'm Kelly Schuster-Perez, and I'm a teacher who recently began to code. Well, welcome, Kelly. It's our, our usual weekly podcast, our normal time. We'd like to start off each episode with our wins of the week, so celebrating something great that happened inside or outside of the classroom that was a big win for us. So, Kelly, why don't you go first? What was your win of the week? Well, besides the fact that we're about to embark on a new quarter, and this is the end of the quarter, that's my first win. So we get to do this all over again and try out new things. So that's a side note on a personal win. But I think I had a really fun win today with one of the girls that didn't really get the full click and flow. She was a slow adapter to coding, and we were working on a force resistance sensor today and I literally had to walk her through the connection and it was a learning curve for me for a little bit and five lines of code I showed her how to put it together she walked away to get another jumper cable I ripped all the cables out and the and out of the breadboard and I said okay do it by yourself and she did it by herself and she was really excited and I think that that momentum of that she could do it was really um, a good win for me. Yeah, that was really fun. I saw that on your your Twitter feed earlier today. For me, the win of the week was something similar because we're both working on projects and integrating a lot of learning this week. For me, I had several students that were going through and debugging their programs and trying to get those last little bits working together. Gave me a moment, and I'm not sure which student it was exactly, but I think it was several of them at the, the same time. I thought to myself, you know, eight weeks ago, there's no way they could have done this. And now they're figuring it out. Like I turned my back with one student for a second to help her update some of her code for the number of lights that were connected to her, her strip. And she was already found, had already found the exact right place in the code to update the number of pixels and get it all connected and working. And I just thought that that was such a great moment to see how far they had come and to really remind myself that they had started from a place where they were just writing Hello World nine weeks ago, and now they're making lights and motion and sound and coming up with these really fantastic ideas. And it was just a really great, satisfying moment. And then we get to start that all over again on Monday. Yes, in that in that de- in that debugging process that I think everyone struggles to get through. I think that's a a really great example of of where we're going with this in this podcast today, right? Yeah, so we're going to be talking about persistence, and this topic came up in relation to our earlier podcast about resilience, and we were discussing between ourselves the difference between persistence and resilience and the close relationship that those two traits and behaviors enjoy. This is something where I really defer to Kelly a lot because of her background in teaching and the the way that people learn and our way our students learn. So Kelly, why don't you kick us off with how do we define persistence as compared to resilience? Well, as we stated in the previous podcast, resilience is that sustained persistence. It's that that's ability to bounce back in all the trials and tribulations of either a life or curriculum, hard topic, even a sport. And it's that academic resilience that we, we sort of like to focus on in our classes. Whereas persistence is just this, this opposition, this, this characteristic of successful people that can persist long term and continue to do things that may be mundane or may be really hard or 
maybe you failed multiple times, and it's that ability to just keep going. I think they see the persistence in in a lot of professionals who maybe did not make the the professional sport at the time, or they didn't get accepted in college right away, or they didn't get picked up by an NFL, or your book didn't get published after the first round, but it's that person that kept going and going and trying to get it to where they want it to be. I've seen that as well, and in my experience, the difference is really, you need to have both in, in the way that you work, but the difference is that people who are resilient have faced adversity, they've faced challenges, they've had setbacks, and they've bounced back from it. It's that bounce back, that ability to recover and move forward again that's really important, whereas persistence is never stopping, never giving up, always moving forward, always finding that path ahead, no matter what's in front of you. And so when we're teaching computer science and when we're teaching Python, the the skills the the meta skills around teaching these subjects really involve developing that sense of persistence that I'm not going to give up that I will get this and that I will persist and and make it through to whatever that next level is and along the way I'm going to have setbacks that I'm going to need to figure out how to recover from exactly exactly And I think we were talking about this the other day about that difference between that learned behavior, that learned ability to persist in something versus that innate behavior of persisting in something. And there's, there's a difference in education. I think Sylvia Duckworth said it a lot and she wrote a book about grit. Grit comes up a lot in the educational buzzwords and they define this grit as this passion and perseverance. You have to have a passion. You can't really learn necessarily a passion, but you can learn a new thing and gain passion for it. Just like you can learn persistence or you can have or you can gain or have it naturally. The only other thing I would add to that is being new to teaching and working more with students. I, I think this helped crystallize for me one of the reasons why I decided to become a teacher. And a big Part of that reason is that for my professional career, I was surrounded by adults. I was surrounded by the finished product. And you could see the whole variety of outcomes in their personal and professional development that they had either had persistence or they didn't, or they had resilience or they didn't. And you didn't see much of that change. But coming into the middle school education environment where there's so much change and growth and development happening, it's like going into a factory and seeing how it's made, Mm. right? This is where we're seeing that persistence and resilience develop. And it's been a really fascinating and an interesting opportunity to see how adults are made. Um, And I agree with you also, it is both an innate ability and that it comes from, you know, some un undefinable place, but it is absolutely can be a learned behavior. It's something that you develop over time and that you grow your ability to persist. It's leveling up that skill so that you can become more persistent. Absolutely. Even if you have an innate ability or an innate personality to persist in some things, sometimes other situations or other curriculum or other activities, you might not have that innate ability. So you might have to draw upon some of your your passions in order to have that, I don't know what they, they sometimes call it stick So it's that commitment to 
the topic or the activity that you're doing. And it's over time. And it's over weeks, months, years to stick to the topic at hand. In a good example or a, a parallel here is you know music education. In order to learn a musical instrument or to become a proficient singer, there are some people who are naturally gifted. But even the most naturally gifted musician needs to persist at the practice, the rehearsals, the you know playing with others, learning the theory. They need to persist in that over the course of years to really become proficient or masterful at music. And it was interesting. We, I think we've mentioned this before, but one of the, the students commented about you know, observing me writing code and seeing how I didn't have to reference anything. I didn't have to look anything up for writing some, some simple code. And she asked, you know, well, why isn't that, isn't that easy? And you mentioned to her, but he's been doing this for years. This is something that he's persisted on. You haven't seen the, those occasions where he's been struggling or learning the hard way. You're seeing the output of it. And that's where we are, where we have the privilege of being able to see students develop that persistence in computer science, learning how to code those early steps that will lead them further along the path later. Yeah, and there's so many, just like music and in, in your analogy to musicians and study of music, there's so many different parts in coding. So you have the the persistence to learn the language or you have the persistence to write out or read from the books or you have the persistence to continue to search on the internet for that one perfect code that you're trying to hack. I read an article in EdSurge about the art of teaching in computer science and I think one of the arts of teaching is something that we're trying to master is how to get kids to debug or problem solve and that is another form of persistence that teaching the kids that, okay, I can give you some hints, but I really want you to start debugging. And it, and it is an art because there are, you have to go back to that, that knowing of that student or that child. Do they have an innate ability to persist in something or are they a student that is not there and needs to be skilled in how to keep going and how to keep researching? And I, this article will post it on our website. It was a great article just to get me to think about it that teaching kids to be, to debug is kind of messy and open ended and you need to have persistence when dealing with anything that's open-ended. It's like that blank screen that we are, that blank canvas that we're talking about last week is like when there's a blank canvas in front of me or a blank screen in front of me, I kind of freeze up and you have to help kids persist past that. Related to that, there's a lot of different things that help students get started along that path. When we're talking about computer science, especially if it's a student's first time learning how to code, there's something that they don't understand right away, or at least not intuitively, and that's that feeling of, of self-efficacy, right? That belief that I will be able to figure this out, that I'm effective in computer science. Before you have that first breakthrough, before you have that first time that the code runs, after you've gone through all of the debugging steps and you've parsed out the your intent versus the action of the program and you've figured out... It, here's where the the gaps are and you've closed all of those. How do you know that it's going to work? How do you know how that feels? And so I usually stop my students that first time that they have a breakthrough when they come running up to me and they say, Mr. Tiber, it works. Look at this. And they're so excited to show it to me. I have them show it to me and then I have them stop and I say, okay, take a moment and reflect on how you feel right now. How do you feel 
when this has happened, that you've made this breakthrough, that you've persisted and you got all of these things to work, what does that feel like? And usually the answer is this feels amazing. It feels great to have solved this and to have, have made this work. And I tell them that that's why it was worth it. That's why you persist through because I know you can do it. Now you know that you can do it. Yeah, my former ed tech director in Lima, Sean Sweeney, amazingly enough, another Sean in my uh, in my computer science career, she was a high fiver, and she brought in the high five into my lifestyle. And for me, that that high fiving that she taught us um, and guided us through was this building of our our own self efficacy. It was this building of our confidence. And I think it's that confidence in yourself, in your abilities, in the things that you do well, that keeps you persistent, uh, with lack of better words, <laughs> keeps you persistent, keeps you going on challenging aspects. And I love the high five. And I think there's nothing better than when a kid gets it right. I'm like, high five. And we, we high five it out. And it's such a happy moment. And I look forward to those days. And that, that is that belief that, you know, in themselves and, and the confidence that I've got or I'm, or they're giving me with their ability. And, and, and we like to do that a lot. Easy, easier right now at the end of the quarter to feel that sense of accomplishment, to feel like things have moved and we've made it to that next level. Starting next week, we're going to go back to the beginning and we're going to start in, in a place where there is not a lot of confidence yet, where the self-advocacy is not developed. And so with that in mind, here are some things that we've thought of and have worked well for us in the classroom to promote persistence in computer science so that you can start to lay the foundation for students to be successful and have that innate persistence and the learned persistence to move forward. For me, one of the number one one things that I like to remind them that their intelligence level is a state. It's the state that they are right now and that they are on a a graph for me, a line graph, a line chart, and the, the arrow should be going up. And that's that state of intelligence that that's going to change. I ask them to kind of stick with me, you know, have faith in the process. And that line from what they know is without a doubt going to increase. So for me, that reinforcement of they're going to get it, they're going to have that feeling of intelligence with coding. Um, that's one of the ways that I like to start the classroom with persistence. The second for me is building confidence. So the way that I think about that, and it's a little hard the first couple days of the new quarter, is to recognize every accomplishment, no matter how small or how primitive. The first time they get hello world working, the first time that they make the micro bit go meh on the screen when they press the button, that is a breakthrough. Because for them, they went from a state of not being able to do it to now they can. And don't forget your mustache rings. That's right. So rewarding that, showing them, having giving them something that's tangible that says, I did this, that I made something happen, that I can do the next thing that's put in front of me. And that that chained series of events that says, I did the last thing so I can do the next thing and keep moving forward helps them understand, you know, that this is something that is not either they have or they don't, they can learn it. And so that leads us into the next point, 
which is to provide frequent and specific feedback to students on how they're progressing academically. Yeah, and I think we do that a lot. One of the ways that we use that is with Tinker. Mm-hmm. For the homework assignment, I think with the use of almost like a flipped classroom where they're doing an assignment, they're learning at home, it gives immediate feedback. With the quizzes, there's a quiz after each of the, the concepts, and that gives them specific quality feedback generated from a computer program. But at the same time, we're reminding them and we're challenging them, but giving them ways in which to improve. And I think that feedback really helps the way you give it and the way that you present it to the kids. It really helps to encourage academic progress. For me, the other area of feedback that really helps is that there's both the immediate feedback, the high fives, or the you know, the negative constructive feedback that says, go back and try that again, or that didn't work the way you wanted it to. You know, how can you fix that? Or, hey, you're falling behind a little bit in terms of the pace of the rest of the class. What's your plan? How can I help you? How can you move forward? Making sure that it's they're still in control, that they have the ownership over it, that they're responsible for getting it done. They will persist and they will bounce back from that. A little bit of the resilience mixed in there, but it's their persistence to keep going and to make it work and to always be building their confidence in the subject to say, I know you're a little bit behind right now, but I know that you can do this. I know that you can catch back up and even move ahead and always giving them that little bit more that they want to chase. Most educators know that receiving feedback is an integral part of learning. That's one of the the primary ways to increase learning within a classroom is to give feedback. And funny enough, the second way to increase student progress in a classroom is to encourage reflection. And that's another way that we like to promote persistence in the classroom, just getting kids to think about why why something is the way it is, why the, the code that they just typed in why it works the way it does and and having them to reflect on what they learned how they learned and why they learned it will help them to be able to problem solve and persist on other areas that are difficult yeah engendering that sense of honest feedback with yourself is really critical here because there can be a lot of false confidence in this space well i think that went really well i think it was amazing i'm i'm so great we want to make sure that that's realistic. And so I encourage students to really think about it in, in a way that says, what worked well, what didn't work well, and what would I change next time? What will I do differently going forward? Very simple framework, but I ask them to have at least two or three things that they think of or identify that can help them you know, reflect on what what's working and what's not. And if there's a bigger conversation sometimes, maybe it's beyond just a specific assignment, activity, or challenge to say, okay, we're at week four in the course. What is working right now? What is not working? What do you need that should be different? Or what could be done differently to help you learn better? And we've had that conversation through the course, both individually and collectively as a group, to refine it. And it, it gives a great opportunity to reflect on our learning and our ability to learn in the same way we would reflect on a program or a a piece of software or a problem that we're trying to solve as a group. We treat our learning the same way. How could we improve this? What could we make better? 
And in addition to that, a lot of our, our students like to find the code. We encourage them to find existing code online. I think at the, the really, very early stages of our, our course, we like to encourage, not, you know, encourage that use, but to be able to understand, one, how finding that piece of code has helped them, how they have been able to either A, read it, understand it, or B, manipulate it, or C, just completely change it into something new. By identifying those experiences and reflecting on each of those experiences differently when they come to a point where they are struggling or challenged, we're hoping that they will be able to persist and use that previous knowledge in order to continue, to continue to go on, to, to learn more, to, to be successful. In addition to the practice behaviors, the, the success traits, the, there is an element of this that's just about building habits. It's about the habit of checking your code before you load it, or the habit of documenting what you want your code to do, or making a flowchart. So building healthy habits for learning computer science that helps them be more persistent so that they can see when they come back, if something's not working, here's the, the places where I started here. Maybe the flaw wasn't in my code. Maybe the flaw was in my flowchart so that they can start to trace back to where they have challenges and setbacks and think through the problems that they're facing to be able to overcome them and, and move on to the next thing to persist. Yeah, and some of those habits are built by routines and some of those habits are individualized depending on how we teach or who teaches the, the programming skills. Some of the habits may be bad and we might have to break those, but at least it's a habit of with their, their learning that they're able to acknowledge. The one thing I really like about this topic um, is that there are a lot of individual skills that are associated with persistence. Being a former teacher of the middle years program, the International Baccalaureate, I love approaches to learning, how students learn. A lot of the, my teaching and my skill set is thinking about the skills that are transferable, not necessarily the, the, the skills that are only in computer science, but how the skills that we're teaching in programming can help a student in math or science or English. There are so many skills that are associated with persistence that we, we tend to, to touch on daily. What's the most important skill that, that you think students should have for persistence? What's the most valuable skill for persistence in your eyes? The m- most valuable or the one that I love? That's well, what's, well, what's, <laughs> we'll start with what's the one you love? I love metacognitive strategies. For, for me, I love going and, well, at first I love saying metacognitive. I just think that makes me, I don't know, that, that word's fun to say. But the thinking about thinking and just going back and, and having them wonder why. Why am I doing that? Why, why am I learning this? Why is she teaching this? What, what is her intent by putting this situation in this, in this manner? That again, going back to the reflection and thinking about thinking, that development of, of that young mind, we have the ability to have them stop for a moment and think of maybe that code that they're working on. How does that connect to what they do at home? How does that connect to their Alexa? How does that, how does that connect to their, their Roomba or their Nido? 
how is what we're doing here not so much about programming, but how they live in this world? And I think metacognition has an ability to take what we do with connecting one little force-resistant sensor and turn it into something else and 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 maybe you know scale or or some sort of iot scale that we don't know about i just i like that ability to think how they're connected for me it's it's interesting as you're describing that it reminds me that i think my favorite of these skills is the goal setting so coming at it from almost the opposite direction instead of integrating many different things together to get to the bigger picture that you may not know I like to start with a bigger picture in mind and then thinking about the ways that we can get there. So I love the goal setting aspect of persistence because I think it opens up so many possibilities for students and gives them a creative flexibility in the way that they approach reaching that goal. So for example, if I don't have a goal in mind, the only way I can get somewhere is the path that's in front of me. But if I have a goal that's identified, say my goal is I want to make a remote-controlled microbit robot. Well, there's about a hundred different pathways that you could take to get there. And so that persistence skill opens up because as they're going through that exploration of those different pathways, as they're traversing them to get to that goal, if they run into a roadblock or they run into a place where it's just they can't get to their goal on that path, they have another path that they can try and another one and another one. And so it gives them that ability to persist through the adversity of finding the right solution to the problem. And just finding things brings us to the whole organizational strategies. Speaking from experience as a person who's not necessarily an organizational mess, but you know, one that has 25 tabs open at a time, I love the organization of coding. I love the fact that it's so linear, that you have to think about the process. There's a flow. I love how within a line, you have to work from the inside out in order to understand or know where you're going. And by teaching kids programming skills, we are adding some sort of organizational structure to their life. I know it helps me as well just beginning to process how I want a project to go, I have to think about line one. That skill of organization is is, is a top one for me. I agree. And related to that is time management. So once we have our organized thought process or we have our organizational strategies, our goal identified, you know, our approach, we have to manage our time to get there. The one thing that we have no more of that's the most scarce thing we have in our lives is time. And so how are we going to manage that to get there? And I was just speaking with a student's parents uh, earlier this evening around time management and around the way that the student was demonstrating strong time management skills. It was something that they had been working together to focus on and grow and improve. And as a result, this student had extra time. They were, they were, they had time to get the work done and to be able to do other things because the time management skills were strong. Yes, and um, another another skill that I think really helps to promote persistence in the classroom is helping the kids find that passion, finding that inner motivation. The people that are the most persistent have that inner energy, and I think you have a lot more inner inner energy when it comes to coding. At, at sometimes I find myself in the cliff of confusion, which we'll post this article, and you guys can read about the cliff of confusion as well. It's a cute article. That ability to find something inside of you. Some people, like we said, are do not have that innate 
ability. It's a learned skill. So helping the kids find whatever it is that motivates them and apply it. And I think that's why we kind of came up with that 20% time project in Google as well. It's not an original idea. We have to make note of that. The 20% time project that gives them the inner motivation and what we're trying to do is teach them the skill. Find something that motivates you so that you will be able to persist through this challenging activity. Today it could be learning how to put lights on my skateboard. In the future it could be I want to learn how to do open heart surgery. It really gives them the ability to know and recognize when they found a worthwhile goal, something that they're excited about and motivates them and helps them be persistent and disciplined in the, in the achievement of that goal. The other thing that, that helps when students are pursuing a goal like that, where they have something that they really are passionate about achieving, but they don't know how to get there, is finding help along the way, finding guides, finding mentors. And frequently that's us as teachers, but we also encourage students to go to each other, to go to the internet, to look for other places where they can get that mentoring and the guide for those who have gone before them to help them along the way. And we see that a lot with the Tinker Self-Paced Lessons. We'll see students mentoring other students, helping them persist through it when they get to a point where they're stuck and they're trying to get overcome it and get through it. Oftentimes the best teacher, a better teacher than us, is another student because they've recently overcome that challenge and they know how to explain it in a way that the learner understands. Yeah, I use I use that a lot. And and the beauty of the program that we've designed is that there's a different child or a different student who becomes a mentor at different parts of the year. With this 20% time project this quarter, I remember we worked through a simple 15 lines of code of counting down with the micro bit. It was such a great piece of code that a lot of the students needed that countdown bit. They, they could change, they could manipulate it, and the one student that worked through it she shared it to another student and said, hey, you can use this. I am giving you the, the rights. I didn't do it all by myself. And then that other, the second student became the mentor in another class. And that helped the other students who were struggling see how to persist and to find a mentor to help them finish the project. That all leads us to... What's the bigger goal here? Why do we develop persistence? Why do we encourage it? Why do we create these opportunities to develop that skill in our classroom? It's because it is a lifelong skill, not just in computer science, but especially in computer science. Persistence is probably the most important trait that any programmer, developer, software engineer can have. Any amateur computer science, anyone who's doing it as a hobby, anyone who's doing it as a secondary part of their primary focus, Persistence is what gets us through to the next level. It's what helps us achieve our goals. And what we learn along the way and what we're teaching our students is that process that they understand intuitively as well as extrinsically and can can communicate to others about how they progress towards meeting a goal. How do they identify that goal? How do they organize themselves to achieve it? How do they execute that plan in order to get there? And then what do they do to build upon that success for the next level? Not speaking from experience as a programmer, but I can imagine that any program will say, no matter how smart you are, or no matter how many libraries you know, or how many people you know in the business, or how well your plan is thought out, there's always going to be something that is going to test 
your persistence with uh, either some debugging problems or some error or some mistake or some person that may be able to do it better. That skill just comes naturally. Just teaching persistence comes naturally with coding because there is not necessarily that right or wrong. There's no black or white situation. And kids have to learn that. They have to learn that straight off from the bat or they will never, you know, <laughs> persist to finish the course. The hard part for many of our students is recognizing that success is not always easy, that it doesn't always come immediately, that you have to persist, you have to work, you have to persevere because we're surrounded, especially in the technology culture, by many highly visible and celebrated successes. The Googles, the Facebooks, the Twitters, the Ubers, the Lyfts, all of these companies that have emerged seemingly out of nowhere and become runaway successes. But what our students don't see and what most people don't see is the long series of of setbacks and trials and challenges and goals that were set and meetings that were held and long overnight business trips and travel to to strange and weird places to make that dream come to life they don't see that persistence in the pursuit of the goal what they see is the ipo mm -hmm. they see here's the billion dollar valuation because we celebrate that because we we recognize that success in such a big way as part of our, our culture in this era. We need to show them, and this is where it's important to bring in examples from the outside to show them that, per, like that success is not always as easy as it's made out to be. That persistence is key. That you know, before Twitter was a social media network, it was something completely different. They pivoted away from their original idea in order to make Twitter what it is today because what they were doing wasn't working, but they still had a goal in mind. We're showing the persistence of science, of, you know, the Thomas Edison thousand light bulbs, you know, before he made a successful one. It's being able to have those examples at the ready to encourage students to not give up to persist, to keep trying, especially in computer science, because it's not always easy, but it's almost always worthwhile. And I just want to add in this little bit. At the same time, as we're talking about the persistence and, and teaching that for students, I think we, we sometimes forget that persistence for teachers, that all these skills and all these things that we're talking about um, Sometimes when you're learning to code or when you're learning to become a better teacher, we have to remember that these skills, these things that we discuss in the podcast, they're applicable to our lives. Being able to find the mentors, set some goals, um, manage our time, organize how we want to learn to code or how we want to learn how to become a better teacher and, and finding that inner motivation that keeps us going day in and day out when the times are tough, when, you know, the students aren't always being as beautiful and wonderful as, as we like to proclaim them to be. Just remembering that we are all learners. So everything that we've talked about with the students is, is something that as lifelong learners, we can take into and reflect on and have our own personal growth in that aspect. And making that visible to students also to be role models and set the example of persistence to be able to show them that we're, we're also persevering. We're also demonstrating that 
drive to completion, to be able to overcome the challenge. And that was something that seems to make a difference for students when they see that it's not just them, that adults don't have it all figured out also, that we don't have, we don't have to struggle. That's not true. We have to struggle through things. We have to overcome the challenges. And our challenges may be different, but sometimes they're the exact same thing. I agree. So, this obviously is a really interesting topic for us. Uh, we've gone a, a lot over normal time, maybe, and but I, I do, I really want to know what things we're missing. I, I feel like there are some more skills out there. Anyone who loves to talk about approaches to learning or how a student learns or even reflecting on your own standards that you have to follow in your state or in your, your country, it'd be interesting to see how how you meet or how you teach grit and perseverance and resilience in your schools. So please reach out to us. You can find us on Twitter at TeachingPython and on the web at teachingpython.fm. If you're subscribing to us on iTunes, please feel free to leave us a review on that site. It really helps us with our visibility and promotion. We'd love a review anywhere we can get it, whether it's privately to us or publicly to the world. Your feedback is really important to us. We are lifelong learners as well. This is our first podcast, so we're always learning how to do it better and how to improve upon it. We are persisting in our own way to make this a community of teachers and of learners of Python. Please reach out to us at any time. With that being said, this is Sean. And this is Kelly. Signing off. Signing off.